1: Hi Eden, hi Ione. and hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni and I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyestazine and the author, of poor little city girls which would make an excellent christmas gift i reckon just plug plug plug
2: i think it really was and i'm eden i'm the managing editor of polyester and the co-host of this podcast
1: this is the sleepover club a feminist pop culture podcast where you pull apart the hashtag discourse in the hope of making some sense of it all
2: before we get started please like rate review and subscribe and i know we've got a lot of reviews because people have been leaving loads which is very nice
1: and we are very 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 grateful I love this one so it's just like one of the emo love hearts five stars I vote that fans of this podcast be officially dubbed Polly Pockets that is by Skeleton Sneeze in the US of A I absolutely agree so you're all Polly Pockets now so
2: Pockets.
1: if you Polly Pockets would like to write in I will gratefully receive your fan mail
2: yeah I, love- <laughs> I used to love chewing on Polly Pocket clothes
1: Yeah, you did. I don't know (laughs) if I did. I loved my Polly Pockets. I was so obsessed and I love you all now. So today we are talking about a few things. This started because me and Eden spent some time together in person this week, which is not that common because we live in different places. Eden lives in Manchester, I live in London. But then when we were hanging out together, what happened? So basically we're talking about like how Hollywood is just changing, how celebrity is culture, how celebrity culture is changing and kind of like in a way looking back on the year because it's been like quite a year of celebs and mm-hmm. what we think is going to happen in the future and how kind of all the stuff we always talk about is feeding in to this big shift in Hollywood.
2: Mhm. Yeah, we started to see the cracks this year as well with like all the don't worry, darling drama and stuff. Mm-hmm, which I think mm-hmm. That's why everyone buzzed off that so much because it was finally like something interesting is going on. Like they're not doing, they're not like doing this PR fucking trained media trained soundbite ready press tour. It was like a fucking it was just, it was a mess.
1: And I also saw that like apparently loads of the um, like award bait films are flopping this year like Mm -hmm. no one's going to see them and like i saw a tweet that was basically like maybe because releasing all the prestige films in like a three-month window of the year is not the best way to market them
2: Mm -hmm. think about uh the new knives out as well it's in the cinema for a week and then they're putting it straight on streamers
1: yeah we're gonna get into it aren't we Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we are gonna get into it yeah well you have a theory i do have a theory which we will also get to we wanted to do a whole podcast episode that was just our theories, but they're all a bit disjointed. But
2: <laughs> it's a tin foil hat episode. Yeah.
1: So tell us what Quentin Tarantino has been going on about this week, Eden.
2: What's he banging on about? So, if you're on Twitter.com, you will have probably seen this. Quentin Tarantino was on a podcast lot this week, um, and said that Marvel actors aren't movie stars. Uh, he said, Captain America is the star, not Chris Evans. He then went on to say that he attributed the loss of movie stars to the marvelization of Hollywood. And that you have all these actors that become famous playing characters, but they're not movie stars. So the person they're playing is already famous. So then they attach themselves to that and then they become famous. Mm-hmm. So he said that like franchise characters become the star. And he said he doesn't hate Marvel, but he dislikes that Hollywood is only producing these films and that they're the only thing that really generate excitement anymore.
1: Also, something that I find really interesting, because I know we've, like, spoken about Marvel a lot and spoken about its impact on films and mm-hmm. Hollywood, but, like, I feel like even if you love Marvel, and I don't know loads of people that are, like, through and through Marvel stands apart from Halima, lol. Um, <laughs> and um, I feel like even if you really really like it you kind of understand the level you're working with but I feel like the biggest way to know that it has such a huge impact on Hollywood and how like the movie industry runs is a all these directors always kicking off about it but b like the generation younger than like Tarantino, Scorsese, all of these people all do the films so like I remember when it was the Don't Worry Darling press run and Olivia Wilde was being like oh I've got a Marvel project and was like really really hyped about it. Mm. Which is like interesting because she obviously wants to be like a prestige director.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, like it. You can't be both. Yeah, like, uh, Taika Waititi as well. Like, obviously, did like this like amazing indie films. Like
1: what we did in the shadows is so good, and then he sold his soul to the to the Marvel machine. But. So obviously these Tarantino comments set Twitter alight, which to be honest, I really enjoyed. Mm. Because the only thing on Twitter for the last few weeks has been about Twitter and it's all fucking boring. And you can take your Twitter hot takes elsewhere because yeah. I don't want to hear them anymore. I we don't, don't care. care. <laughs> we literally don't care. Twitter is not for the girlies, I'm sorry.
2: No, it's it's so boring as well. Like, oh, uh, another day another <laughs> Elon Musk tweet. Cool. Yeah,
1: like I don't I literally just could not give a shit. Like, obviously, I care about the workers. I care if he's treating them badly. Blah 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 blah. blah. But I actually could not care if I woke up tomorrow morning and Twitter was gone from the world. So I would be happy.
2: I think I'd be. I think we'd all be happier. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Anyway. So, what's <laughs> some of the backlash that Tarantino received for these comments? Um, well, Sumu Liu, who's in
2: uh, some Marvel film, uh, "The Legend of Ten Rings." um defended these films by basically saying that these films highlight not necessarily unknown actors but actors that are just starting out and also a range of diverse talent mm-hmm. um so he's saying that like i i get where they're coming from and they're they are filmmaking geniuses like but they don't get to point their nose up at anyone because he's like this has done so much for hollywood for inclusivity and for representation um and he said that no studio will ever be perfect, but I'm proud of the work I've done with Marvel. And I hope that I can like continue to empower people and represent diversity on screen and said that I loved the golden age of Hollywood, but it was too white. Which, which are all valid points,
1: but yeah, they are of course. And like, obviously I can't speak to like uh, racial diversity, but we have also gone into this in like the anti intellectualism podcast mm-hmm. about like, marvel disney which is marvel now like disney owns marvel kind of using diversity as a cynical not even just a marketing technique but a storytelling technique and i saw some like tweets in response being like right so marvel's this like really great diverse thing why was um black panther the first diverse movie they ever made and that was like not that long ago
2: yeah well because they know that it's something that people like want to see obviously everyone wanted to see it before but they know that it'll make headlines and they know that it'll put bombs on seats and it's pandering
1: i mean tarantino also knows that he's going to make headlines with his comments there as well yeah and i mean i think there's obviously a really interesting tension because especially amongst these like older vanguard white male directors that have like predominantly told like white stories that center white men because there is obviously somewhat of like a threat to their storytelling in a way, like it may be, mm-hmm. or a perceived threat. Like could it, there's not actually a threat because like a Tarantino film is still way more likely to get like way more money than like a female director's film, mm-hmm. unless it's in the Marvel universe. So I see lots of sides, but I think what is so interesting about it is just the fact that Hollywood is changing so much. Like, we've spoken about it with the franchise thing and that's basically what Marvel is like, right? And also how it limits actors. So me and Eden were talking when we were hanging out about Elizabeth Olsen saying she basically just doesn't get to do loads of the shit she wants because she's always filming Mm. Marvel.
2: And Elizabeth Olsen, at the start of her career, was picking, like, really weird, like, indie films. Uh, What's that? Martha May, Mary, shit. That's really good. So she's someone that clearly, you know, gives cares about the art of being an actor and then it's like well why did you agree to do marvel
1: then money 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 money
2: um yeah but like uh, you knew what you're getting yourself in for you knew that you know that you're now going to be tied to something so it could be two films four films Mm -hmm. ten films but they fucking have the the uh multiverse of madness or whatever it's called i don't know Um, (laughs) and like You're not just going to be in that one film. You're now part of the franchise and they could put you in every single film for the next 10 years.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: It's like you're contracted to just kind of serve what they want you to do.
1: Yeah. And I can't remember who said this in your research it might have been a Scorsese interviewer it might have been Quentin Tarantino saying this Mm -hmm. but I do think it's a good point like there's so many films that we just go back to like there's so many films we'll rewatch over and over again and also that doesn't mean that they're like intellectually or aesthetically or an art house movie or whatever like even really good Christmas films you watch again and again and again Mm -hmm. right because the storytelling is like fantastic it's emotional but I feel like a you wouldn't i haven't ever done that with a marvel film b they kind of program that out of the making of it Mm -hmm. so like for example the fact that spider-man has been a different actor three times in the last 20 years like why would you watch an old spider-man when they're rebooting it so often that you can just slide into your generation's one
2: yeah that's so true yeah, you don't have. It was it was Scorsese that said it. He he wrote a piece for the New York Times after all the backlash when he said they hate Marvel. I love that they were like, right, Marty, you are gonna have to write. Uh, some-
1: you I have can- to explain yourself.
2: Yeah, like imagine him just like sat at his computer typing something out, like to try and justify. Like, <laughs> it's fucking Martin Scorsese, and you are forcing him to or like he feels like he has to say something. But he basically said, like, think about Hitchcock. That sixty seventy years later, we're still going back to those films and revisiting them. And he said that Marvel, there is there's no risk when it comes to like mystery or emotions or like revelations in their films because they're made to satisfy a specific set of demands and like their audience tested and vetted and modified and like remodified until they're ready for consumption so i guess it kind of you don't really need to go back and revisit the old stories because like you said you can just watch your generation's version
1: yeah they're retold for you over and over and over again yeah like whereas you watch
2: i don't know taiko and you're like this is this is an original story not mm. original story but like the film is worth going back to because it's not a remake of a remake of a remake
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so this got his kind of like comments and also i can't remember what, oh right so this is where my theory comes in yeah mm-hmm. so <laughs> there's marvel which is obviously its like huge conglomerate and it kind of like has all of these actors on contract but this is something that is more and more increasingly common to kind of have this like marvel structure even if you're not creating superhero films so for example ryan murphy's production deal with netflix which was like the biggest production deal in television history right i can't Mm -hmm. remember how much it was even though i have the research right here but it's
2: 300 million
1: 300 million which is bananas yeah and like in the last since the beginning of the pandemic, we've had Hollywood, we've had Ratchet, we've had Dharma, we've had Feud, we've had American Crime Story, we've had, I mean, what else? We've had Boys in the Band, me and Eden were trying to list them before we started. We've
2: had maybe two, um, three seasons of American Horror
1: Story. There's one we've had now. so much, basically. And this is a model that is like increasingly common. So Gillian Anderson has just struck an exclusive deal with Netflix as well. Reese Witherspoon also has a production company, which I feel like she might have had a similar deal, but with HBO or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's very interesting because I feel like we're going back to the old studio system mm-hmm. where these kind of production deals are struck. But because of streaming, because of like the amount of content we... Are expecting and that we watch all the time. Like Gina always makes the joke that I watch every single TV show. And it's literally because I do, and I don't even take most of them in. I'm just like, yeah, it's good, yeah, it's bad. Like that's like the extent of my feelings towards them. So I feel like we're gonna go back so the reason why I started thinking this, sorry, was because I was watching The Crown and when I was watching The Crown, the boss woman from Emily in Paris showed up. And then I was watching (laughs) And then I was watching White Lotus and one of the guys that works at the advertising agency and Emily in Paris shows up and basically like all these kind of minor actors, like not big, big stars, but like mid-level actors that work in TV or, and they're in series that aren't like, because we don't really have 24 episode seasons anymore, do we? So Mm. these actors aren't really tied down. For that long, like they do like eight, ten episode seasons and they're not playing major characters. So I think we're going to go back to the old studio system where there's like a pool of actors that serve each streaming service or each production house and they just rotate. Ryan Murphy has obviously been doing that forever already, but I feel like it's going to become way more official. Mm -hmm. Thoughts, Eden? In the old days of Hollywood. Exactly. So do you want to explain the old days of Hollywood for anyone that doesn't know? I would love to. (laughs)
2: I am obsessed with old Hollywood. Uh, so when, when you said we're going to do about this, I was like, fucking jackpot, baby. Can't wait <laughs> to do this research. Um, so the old Hollywood studio system was a business model adopted by five Hollywood studios during the golden age of Hollywood for the 20s to the 60s, roughly. So there was Paramount, there was Metro, Goldwyn Mayer, Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox and RKO. So... When you basically started out in Hollywood, you would assign yourself or you would get signed to a studio under contract, usually for five years. You could only do films with that studio.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so and it kind of becomes this like fame machine, right? So they also mm-hmm. like train them all. They yeah. like send them to acting classes. All the actors eat lunch together. It's basically like a nine to five job where you go, you do all of these things and then you yeah. all audition within the company kind of thing.
2: And everything was filmed like on locate usually on location on the ho- on the studio lot. So yeah, like you said, nine to five, you'd clock in, all have your lunch together in the canteen, and then clock out at the end of the day. And then you would all be in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um obviously, they they would craft a star as well. So they would maybe have like a cool cowboy guy, and then like a cold hearted bitch, and then like the lovable like rogue or whatever. So they would obviously people would like have lessons like you said they would give you plastic surgery they would like to completely change your appearance do loads of mad stuff because you kind of belong to them and they Mm -hmm. they wanted to finely tune your person i guess persona Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um which obviously happens now you know people have agents people have stylists like but i guess this was like i feel
1: like that's kind of way more on an individual basis right so someone might Mm -hmm. walk in
0: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: And they'll be like, okay, she wants to be an indie actress for the first five years and then she can get this kind of film and then she'll break into like award baits and she should look like this. Like there's that whole thing, right, that Emma Stone obviously was a natural blonde and she got no jobs and then she died her hair ginger and she was, like, hired. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But I feel like that's an individual thing rather than, like... I mean, there's obviously influence from the studios, influence from other people, but it's kind of, like, more of an individualised decision rather than, like, a company saying, well, we need you to be this person. mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Because you you, you like to think people have more agency now rather than just... And I guess maybe stars were more, uh, like, not binary, but, like, you had to be this or you had to be that. You couldn't really be multifaceted. Mm -hmm. But this is an interesting thing that I didn't know, that the studio system ended, basically ended in 1948, because the Supreme Court, uh, they, they basically decided to ban a procedure the studios did called block booking, where basically you would have this big star, so, like, you would have Cary Grant or, like, Judy Garland in a film, And that would be, like, the big project. And then you would have two films. You would, like, sell films to movie theatres in in blocks. So you'd have the big picture. Then you would have two kind of, like, lower tier things that were, like, a couple of stars in them, but not, like, a big budget thing. Mm -hmm. And you would have two, like, B movies that were really, really cheap to make. And you could just, like, make them in, like, 30 days or whatever. And you would sell that to, like, a theatre as, like, a chunk. And they basically got banned from doing that because they were, like, you're kind of selling, like, lesser products but trying to lump all together. And that's kind of... What sometimes happens, like, on these streaming sites?
1: Well, this is also so interesting because, like, I feel like this is basically in some ways what America as a whole is like the entertainment industry as a whole mm-hmm. is moving towards so there's been a few like controversial mergers recently so one which like we haven't researched for so we can't talk about in detail is like Ticketmaster merged loads of like ticket sale websites right mm-hmm. so they became the monopoly on who can buy tickets mm-hmm. which has meant they have a monopoly over live music which means that they're the only people that make money and then the second example I can think of that I can't remember the exact details for, but it was in book publishing and it was basically Mm -hmm. like Penguin or something was trying to buy the second biggest publisher. So then they just become a monopoly. Yeah. In terms of entertainment, you can totally see Disney doing that because they bought Mm -hmm. Marvel. They bought 20th Century Fox. They are Hulu. Like they have all of these things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That they, they, well, we're going back to the five big boys in charge and that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. We've got, like, Netflix, Apple, Amazon, uh, Disney.
1: Yeah. That's
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> They're gobbling up all the competition. But this that's exactly what happened back in the day because these five studios didn't leave space for anyone else to be making productions, mm-hmm. like, or to be making films even. So, yeah.
1: And I think what was also interesting, though, is in that thing about, like, why it got banned, it was because a lot of the work that came out of, Because we kind of think of the golden age of Hollywood like for a reason that it produced like all these classic films, all these amazing Mm -hmm. films, blah, 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 blah. But because of this block system, it produced a lot of mediocre work, right? That is just literally like this content sludge that we've been talking about for the last few episodes.
2: Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of crap out there. Like just turn on, I don't know, Film 4 in the middle of the day and you'll watch like a really like subpar Western
1: I know what's gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know film 4 still existed.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but they they always show old stuff during the day. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and yeah, some, I, like you know, I'm into it, and I'm watching some stuff, and I'm like, this is a load of rubbish.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, my question to you is, like we've said about my theory of the stars will just sign up to like streamers or to specific production companies that have deals with streamers and like they'll only work within the thing how do you think that affects celebrity culture uh
2: because they're tied. well i don't know that i guess they might be more well behaved or something because they're tied to a certain studio they they maybe not well behaved but if they're tied to a certain streaming service they're gonna have less artistic integrity
1: do you think it like limits them
2: Yeah, possibly.
1: As in, in terms of fame though, because if they're, for example, like, if they're only in one place, like, one thing, it's like, how often, for example, Netflix had that, like, one Scorsese film, or what I'm thinking about now, is like, Florence Pugh had, what the hell is that film called, Eden? uh, wonder the Wonder, wonder which I just watched this weekend which is like it's very like classic Florence Pugh fair it's like a period drama it has like a bit of spooky like a bit of like a wronged woman vibe all of these things but I feel like it's definitely just gonna go down into like the forgotten like book of memories because it is on Netflix
2: but but everything is like because no one no no one's a fucking movie star anymore like think about in even in like the 90s you had people like arnold schwarzenegger and people that and like tom, not obviously don't really like tom cruise but like tom cruise like they yeah. are stars like and if you if you just have someone working for like one specific uh streaming service they are just going to like disappear into the ether cuz they're not going to pick stuff as well that's memorable or they will pick stuff that's memorable but it's just limiting
1: but also I think that's an interesting point because like for example Tom Cruise and just Tom Cruise actually obviously had like a really has and had a really controversial personal life and like in the 90s he had like his marriage to Nicole Kidman also his relationship with Katie Holmes and I feel like we're kind of plugging that gossip gap with different celebrities now like we've got the Kardashians we've got reality tv stars but obviously bring Julia Fox into it our absolute fave like she's been like 90 like i don't know 70 percent of the entertainment stories this year right that like yeah. a lot of the girls have been interested in yeah. and that has like provided not just controversy but also like good looks and like hot takes and all of these things um but she has said recently that even though like her popularity is at sky high she can't get acting jobs
2: mm. which is like because she wasn't kind of an actor before this like yeah. What does that mean then? Because people don't want to take her on because she's too controversial. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because she's good. I like her.
2: No, I think she's good like actress her. as well. Amazing and Uncle Gems.
1: What's that private chart? She's good in that as well. But there's also an element of this where it's like, so for example, um, actors and actresses, like actors can't really be controversial anymore or like, not controversial but have like wild private lives or like whatever because there's so much to do with studio liability and insurance now isn't there like you have to be really really like just down the line run of the mill not controversial in order to get your picture insured so it can get made which I think was like a really big reason why a lot of people were being like oh Olivia Wilde won't work again because she'll be seen as like a risk or like a loose cannon or whatever to direct another film um which obviously in some there's also like who's we make exceptions for because that should totally be the case for someone like johnny depp but then because he's a man or like even quentin tarantino has not treated women well but like they still get to make films it feels like the bar is very different for women not that women should do any of those things that the former two men have done um (laughs) but it feels like our kind of what we expect from a celebrity or from an actor and a movie star can't be fully realized because we don't really allow them to have personalities of their own anymore. No,
2: because they're too. They're because it's like trained out of them. Yeah. Um. I just. Yeah. I. I really wish we could go back to like the old days, you know, where like Joan Crawford and Betty Davis are literally like scrapping each other, and you know, everyone was very poisonous towards each other. It was fun. bring back messy drama
1: yeah I agree and like plus I feel like everything in our kind of culture is just expects like really mega celebrities to not have personalities lives or political opinions unless they're like very middle of the road like slightly liberal political opinions like Mm -hmm. there's the whole thing in journalism as well where you just can't really do a good celebrity interview anymore because you get like no time with the person and they're so heavily restricted or like there's that new trend of like celebrities interviewing celebrities or like who was the celebrity that interviewed themselves
2: i don't know yeah, I've just seen, like, Olivia Rodrigo interviewing Jenna Ortega, which I yeah. like that. Like, it's it's cute, but also they're not really going to dig deep because they know what they wouldn't want to be asked.
1: Well, it doesn't feel real either. Like, they're giving you a really, like, limited veneer of, like, authenticity because it's like, we're talking to a friend, but then yeah. it's really, like, they just end up being, like, I, I fuck- love- nothing.
2: Oh yeah, I like nothing. I fucking hate this thing as well where like <laughs> like everyone like think about like the Ellen show that like pushed that like everyone's besties, like we all just hang out and we all just like love each other, like no, fight each other, like yeah. you don't all like each other. We know you don't like yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. why everyone loved it when Dakota Johnson was like, No, Ellen. Yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm not gonna let you play these games with me, like where you pretend that you're everyone's friend, but you're actually evil.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Eden, how do we solve it?
2: Um, I don't know if we can solve it. I think it'll it'll be interesting to see uh the impact that the return to the studio system has on actors that I already like.
1: Well, I think also, because what kind of sparked us talking about this, apart from the Tarantino thing, was this article that came out on Cosmo, which is called, like, The Fame Machine is Officially Switching Gears. And it was, like, loads of different industry experts weighing in on where they think fame is going. And then someone said that there'd be, like... The fall of tokenism, one of our founding policies in 2015 was that we would not submit actors for casting calls until we assured the script was authentic representation of our community, younger audiences now demand such representation, gender, sexuality, race and culture. Entertainment executives know this, they try to keep their finger on the pulse so their companies don't disappear. With so many high-skilled trans and non-binary actors coming onto the market, excellence is the future. I do not believe that for a second. I think if we go back to the studio system, there'll be more tokenism because specific actors will be associated with specific directors, production places, streamers, mm. and maybe it'll bring back celebrity because it'll elevate certain people to like quite a high like household recognition. Mm. But I don't think it will create a more equal playing field. That's just my opinion.
2: No, because you've got your you've got your roster of like people that if you need like a person of colour, if you need a trans woman, if you need this person,
1: they'll yeah, just all find there. that and
2: listen to the role. Yeah. Yeah. Which then is just so transparent in itself because like you're not doing it because you want to make something good or you want to represent people. You're just doing it because as a, as a studio, they're like, We need more representation. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's like equal opportunities hiring, but then you don't do any like work to ensure and plus like the studio system was horrible right like it was exploitative like Mm -hmm. people were depressed people were all of these other things so Mm -hmm. it's not like thriving it's not like a really like rich place for marginalized people to put themselves in
2: no it's not i mean yeah they just totally owned you Mm -hmm. look at look at judy
1: and i also feel like that really rubs specifically our generation and gen z and younger people the wrong way like it feels like while hollywood is moving towards a new structure the rest of us are moving towards like new definitions of work and like less kind of prescribed modes of working like working for a company working in an office whatever do you know what i mean
2: yeah so where do we go <sighs>
1: i don't know hon.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on a positive note. Like, it sounds like I'm... Um, yeah, like, you're a
1: big movie fan, so how do we support the stuff we actually like?
2: Just let weird shit get made. Which I feel like does uh, I feel like I'm um, like, whenever I talk about stuff like this, it's like I think that there's nothing out there. There is. There's so much good cinema. I think we're really in an age where there's more, more incredible stories being told and more incredible films being made than ever.
1: Mm-hmm. But, you have just got to find them.
2: People need to get back to the cinema. <laughs>
1: <basically>. <laughs> there's nothing on at the cinema. Well, yes, and there's loads on at the cinema. But this is what's,
2: well, that's, that's what's depressing about the new uh, right. Is it Ryan Ryan Johnson Johnson film? The Nice Out sequel that is on Netflix. It's on in cinemas for a week and then it's on Netflix. Mm, yeah. No one's gonna go to the cinema to watch it if it's gonna be on streaming. Like I-, I feel like we're
1: so quick to put stuff on streaming. It needs to just let it let it just ferment a little in the culture. And also how much he got paid for that, 100 million. And also, we re- we said this, we were saying, or I don't know if we said this on the pod or just to each other, about Do Revenge, like, that should have got a cinema release. It should have it had should girlies it. going to the cinema, wearing the outfits, like, exactly. then going for dinner and having drinks afterwards.
2: Yeah, I think it gets rid of, like, <laughs> the, like, water cooler conversation when mm. stuff is just immediately... Not immediately put on streaming because streaming's good and it's more accessible and obviously some people don't want to go to the cinema and people can't afford to. Um but yeah, do revenge should have been in the cinema. And, and I think that c- cinema gives things a bigger cultural moment and yeah. um it's really depressing that that, that, that cinema is dying. Wee. Okay, well uh, so on on that much- jaded old man. Yeah. <laughs> These kids old man are old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. old man I am old man shouts at cloud
1: well what do you
2: think are you old man shouts at cloud or are you pro 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 streaming I really like staying at home <laughs> <laughs>
1: i really do like staying at home I to
2: like i hated Suspiria when i saw it the cinema because my bomb hurt and i couldn't
1: like, yeah I, watch it. <laughs> I was like but then i watched it at home. i loved it the new Suspiria. um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i love staying at home sorry <laughs> um, yeah. but that's it for today thank you eden thank you i own Thank you to all of you listeners. We'd love to hear what you think. So let us know in all the usual places. Instagram comments, TikTok, email us. Do whatever you want. Um, Thank you to Olivia for editing this episode. Thank you to Gina and Gina, Charlotte, um, Grace, Hattie and Izzy. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.